Oncology Data Advisor. In honor of Rare Diseases Day, I'm here today with Dr. Amy Desern. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be here. MDS is a rare disease, and I'm pleased it's being honored on this day. So by way of background, what are some of the most challenging aspects of treating patients with MDS? So certainly treating patients with MDS is an incredible privilege, but there are some clinical medical challenges for these patients, their families, and then for us as their providers. I think overall, if I had to identify one major challenge is simply that I wish we had more drugs and more treatment paradigms to offer these patients. Globally speaking, it is a relatively rare disease and there's just fewer options compared to some other cancers. Another issue that's quite prevalent currently is how limited transfusion availability is. At least in the United States, the Red Cross is at an all-time shortage. And given that transfusional support with red cells and platelets is a mainstay for cytopenic patients with MDS, this is something that can make it tricky. Other issues are what we call healthcare-related quality of life to take really good proactive care of patients with higher risk MDS. It takes a lot of visits per month and that can certainly be challenging for the patient. They get tired for their family who might do the driving. And so we're working on options that can allow some of the treatments to be spread out and back to our first challenge. If we have more treatments that are more efficacious, they won't need to be in the clinic as much. So a lot of research in the area and these are hurdles that I think the field can overcome, but we're still working on it. So when selecting therapy for patients with MDS, what is the role that prognostic factors play? So certainly there's a lot that goes into prognostication in MDS. So I'll actually take one step back and talk about diagnosis. How a patient with MDS is diagnosed really needs to be quite rigorous because the more information we have at the beginning with increased detail, from diagnosis, the more we can explain about their biology and then prognosticate for the patient and work through the expectation management with them and their family. So certainly you can't diagnose MDS at this time without a bone marrow assessment. You need a lot of specific information from that specific evaluation. Increasingly, specifically for prognostication, we need a metaphase karyotype and molecular next-generation sequencing because we're learning through both retrospective and prospective studies of the disease biology of MDS that different mutations may suggest a less favorable prognosis for patients or disease that has a really indolent course. And so we get as much information as we can trying to explain how a patient arrived at their MDS state and then what it's going to look like going forward in terms of just watchful waiting for cytopenias for many years, or if we need to intervene quite proactively because the prognostic factors suggest someone who's more likely to get AML sooner rather than later. And we also use that prognostication to talk about whether or not we should pursue a bone marrow transplant for an MDS patient as well. So with all these um, considerations for treatment, what were some of the most significant updates in MDS treatment that were presented recently at the ASH annual meeting? So it's always fun to hear the new clinical studies, the new prognostic studies at the American Society of Hematology meeting. So back to your previous question about prognostication, one 
study that was presented as an oral abstract by Elsa Bernard and colleagues was the development and validation of a molecular international prognostic scoring system called the IPSS-M for risk stratification. There's other scoring systems out there that are incorporating this next generation sequencing data, but this was the formal IPSS incorporation, which was interesting. And then in terms of therapeutic studies, there were a lot of interesting abstracts. We heard some more data on pevanidostat, um, a large randomized trial that was a phase three called the Panther study, um, compared pevanidostat with azacitidine to just azacitidine alone. And it was an interesting analysis presented by Dr. Sekaris showing how some of the secondary MDS patients did with pevanidostat, which is a fairly non-toxic drug. So that was interesting. There were a couple of abstracts looking at untreated, higher-risk MDS using CPX351, which is the liposomal uh, domorubicin and cytarabine used in um, AML with um, out of an antecedent MDS. And it looks like it's fairly non-toxic and quite a viable bridge to transplant for higher-risk MDS. There were two studies about that. And then there were a couple retrospective or prospective analyses of the hypomethylating agent in combination with Venita Clax data um, in the higher risk MDS. Um, Dr. Garcia looked at the molecular profiles in patients who responded in her phase 1B study. And then Dr. Komrochki uh, looked at a nice real world experience of patients who either got azacitidine alone and then had Venita Clax added to it or started up front for their high-risk disease with the combination. And it was a useful analysis to look at it in a real-world setting. And then lastly, we're learning about sabatolumab, which is a TIM3 inhibitor, which has a unique dual mechanism of action um, to harness the immune system as well as target the blasts in higher-risk MDS. And Dr. Bruner talked more about that data there. So a lot of clinical and prognostic information. I've mentioned just a few because certainly ASH is a big meeting, but it gives me a lot of hope for patients in the field as we make progress in MDS. It sounds like a lot of very exciting updates. So thank you so much for sharing them with us. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. In addition to our podcast, the Oncology Data Advisor site features expert perspectives and news stories on the latest in cancer research and treatments, all found at oncdata.com.